This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, episode 37. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, and I am joined today, as always, by Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hello, Brett. How are you today? You've been a a, a busy, busy boy. (laughs) You know, I'm just making it my uh, personal plan to try to keep American Airlines profitable and uh, and so in the midst of all the flying, it's been a great week with some really good leaders on the West Coast. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you've, uh, I'm sure you've got a few flights to go uh, there to, to help American and they, they will certainly take it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we, we were talking as we were prepping for the show how it's great to be busy. Obviously, that means business is going well, but it doesn't mean that challenges and problems and, and new problems right come up in the face of it. You know, a lot of businesses are cycles, especially in the entrepreneurial phase. And uh, within any business, you have these, you know, the sine wave, the roller coaster of business where you're pursuing business and pursuing clients. And then, you know, the then it's a, a matter of fulfillment and then you're deep into fulfillment and then you go back into client acquisition and and sort of the normal ebb and flow of business. And this is a great time of um We've gone through the acquisition phase, and now we're in the fulfillment phase, really helping people grow leaders and change culture. Awesome. Well, on that note, we're going to talk about something I'm sure you you speak with a lot of your clients in depth on a regular basis. We're going to talk today about styles of leadership uh, and what that looks like. We're going to kind of mention eight. It doesn't mean that that includes all of them, but there's eight that we want to kind of talk about today and you know what those styles are how you figure out what yours is, what you do with that information, uh, how your environment shapes that, all of that good stuff. We're going to talk through it today. Right, Chris? Absolutely. Awesome. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll cover what we can. Okay, cool. Well, let, let's jump in then. And uh, let's just, you know, before we start kind of breaking down the, the eight different styles of, of leadership that you want to point out today, I mean, at a high level, how do we need to be thinking about our leadership style. I mean, I don't even know if everyone on on the on the podcast today has even thought in those terms. So, how do we need to get, get our mindset right as far as thinking about leadership style? Yeah, really. This this for me comes out of you know one of the the uh, the profile assessments that we do is uh, called Right Path, and really from your Right Path, you have this authentic leadership. You have those components of you that are both um, two sides of the fence. Number one, we have the learned components. And then we have the embedded components. And so the authentic style of, of the embedment, if you will, of sort of the genetic components of how you approach life anyway, will certainly bleed into your leadership. And then the leadership that's been modeled in front of you, that's been imprinted on you, is a style that you're likely to adapt or adopt. And so those two components, um, people generally will lead from the way that they perceive to be the best leadership methodology. And that style then becomes sort of their brand and how others experience them. Yeah. So my question is, do you, are you aware that you have a style and are you aware of the consequence of that style among the constituents? So, you know, we've talked about it before that that essentially no one can self-rate a leader. 
you can't say I'm a leader. Uh, you can't say I'm a good leader. You can't. I mean, we have to get in tune with the recipients of your leadership, the followers of your leadership to to really say, what is it like to follow this person? Or would you as a direct report consider them to be a leader? Mm, yeah, that's good. So, you know, we talk about these different styles and I want to jump right into them. You've got eight that are listed out here. Uh, the first one that you mentioned as far as a style of leadership that's that's at least somewhat common is kind of the driver or challenger. What What's that look like? Well, I would say that a lot of management styles in the past have been that driver challenger, that command and control, very directive style. So, uh, you know, someone coming into it and and just um, telling everyone what to do and and calling it out and uh, air traffic control again, just very very challenging, very driving, very um, very forthright in their communication style, straightforward. You do this, you do that. Here's what you should do. You know those types of pieces, and and there are times where we need that that driver challenger in the organization, or there are some people that need that driver challenger. But at times, those of us that have felt overdriven or constantly challenged, that that may start to lessen in its effectiveness towards us, and that style can tend to um, potentially wear some of some folks out. Yeah, I gotcha. The second one you mentioned is the producer or the doer. How does that differ? <laughs> this is what I work with quite a bit in organizations. So you were the the best individual contributor in the operation, and mm. all of a sudden you're promoted. Mm -hmm. So you go from frontline or from uh, individual contributor to first line supervisor, frontline leader. We have the tendency because we got our ego strokes, we, we received the promotion because we were the best individual contributor to continue that habit. And that go-to, get it done, producer, doer, leader, the struggle is that we may overplay our role and underplay that supervisory leadership um, strategic role. So it's a great thing to be that go-to, get it done player. The struggle may be in the producer doer style of leadership that you may not equip and empower and delineate and delegate to your people. You may end up overplaying your role. Great to get it done as a leader, though, we have to find a way to elevate to title specific behaviors that uh, help us get out of the weeds. Yeah. And this kind of relates to the story you've told a few times about you being a top salesperson moving into sales management. Right. That's that's a little bit Absolutely. what happened there. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too. I'm sure many people listening, especially if they are kind of young in their leadership journey, they they might relate to that, you know, just because that's kind of what they are doing. They're producing now. Right. And so on the one hand, like you said, there's some some great pros to that. Hey, you know what you're doing. You know what your people are doing. Um, and some people make that transition into leadership actually pretty well. And some of them just cannot uh, shake, you know, staying in that mindset. So it's good to identify. You know, organizationally. This this is kind of indicative of how organizations develop their frontline leaders, though. Um, and, and by develop, I mean not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first line leaders, you're just asked to uh, to assume the position, you know, the responsibility. And then really from there, uh, all they want you to do is you were the best player on the team. And they're trying to get you to extrapolate your genius into your former peer base. And so the struggle is until we're really taught that relevant 
day in the life of our title specific behaviors, we do end up digressing to be in the weeds and, and we end up being a little bit of this producer doer or driver challenger in its combination, right? So mm -hmm. we're we're going to produce and do, and then we're going to be highly directive to our people. And so the combination of this until you sort of, sort of get some uh, some maturity. Have you heard that word this year? I, I, it's, it sounds familiar. <laughs> until you get a little bit of maturity, we may end up overproducing, overdoing, and then overdriving our people. Yeah. The third one you mentioned here is the popular leader or the networker. What's that look like? So the, the influencing networker is just a style um, where you're really this collaborative leader that gets everybody on the same page, highly relational. And so the interface of that relationship is that your, your natural tendency is who's on the team. Let me get to know all my team members. Let's make this just a, a, a great group of, of uh, you know, friends that also work or, yeah. And so that, that really, that networker is, is, um, in many ways, one of the best people to work for, um, you know, so that style of gaining consensus and influencing and relationship, all those are key pieces. Um, the, the only piece about the popular networker at times that we may need to do is we may need to tighten up their results side. Um, you know, they may be very relational and not necessarily hold people accountable. That may be a struggle for them to have some of those critical conversations, um, uh, accountability conversations. But people really just this is just a leader that you just really enjoy being around, um, highly engaging and uh, uh, just a very tremendous relational person. Mm. The fourth one you mentioned, uh, the style of leader is the visionary or the dreamer. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> so they they are the ones that come up with the idea that we are going to the moon mm. and we're going to go to the moon and we're going to do this particular piece. They cast purpose. They cast vision. And they're this this Richard Branson type. Right. So mm -hmm. when you think about the driver challenger, you're probably thinking about somebody like a Jack Welchian type, uh, you know, type leader. Um, when you think about the visionary dreamer, you know, uh, this is going to be that Richard Branson type, you know, when when you're dreaming of this particular piece way out in front, casting that vision for what's possible and and just constantly at rallying the troops around reaching that next level. Got it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I have to assume, too, that that visionary on the one hand, the, the strength of having a clear vision and, a, a, you know, just seeing things that other people don't see and seeing with clarity that others don't have or, or haven't developed. That's great. Right. And you even talked about having pulling power. But, you know, sometimes does the visionary or the dreamer almost seem so far out there that it, the weakness can be that they, they seem disconnected from the rest of the group? <laughs> Visionary dreamers might have a, a an opportunity um, where they they continue to um, chase um, squirrels. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Shiny object, any new flavor of the day. We're so out there as far as possibility thinking that we don't get into process development. Yeah, yeah. Right, excellent. And so you don't want to obviously trade that vision in, but you certainly have to pair it with something that's going to help make it become a reality. So we've talked about yeah. the, the, the first four styles. We talked about the driver challenger, the, the producer doer, 
the popular networker and the visionary dreamer. Uh, the fifth one that you've got noted here is the supporter relator. Um, where yeah, the that? supporter relator might might be considered to be the counterbalance to the driver challenger, right? Okay. So uh, the driver challenger is going to sit there and they're going to they're going to set the standard, drive the standard, work to the standard, and the supporter relator is going to be one of those leaders that really stands up for the team and says, "Guys, I'm really concerned about the workload on my team. I'm really, you know, they're they're the ones that are really sort of these these deeply connected. Where the popular networker may have a thousand friends and is friendly with everybody, the the supporter relator is more dialed into one on one relationships, and so the the deep connectedness to this particular uh, leader has some really strong ties uh, but again it's more so in the uh, anytime we we go to enact change these supporter relator people their first question is well how is this going to affect my people how is this going to affect my team and more specifically how is this going to affect jimmy how is this going to affect sue how is this going to affect you know uh, deandre and so when we're thinking about these particular components of this relationship uh, this is one of those pieces where they emote change and relate change as opposed to drive change. Okay. I like that distinction. Uh, yeah, that's great. It makes perfect sense too. So we have the supporter relator. And then the sixth one that you have here is the mentor or the educator of leadership style. That sounds great to me. Tell me more about it. <laughs> well, so the, the mentor educator realizes that we're really the front of mind for them is the fact that their responsibility is to grow an amazing team that can do this work without them. So every moment becomes a teachable moment. Everything that they're doing becomes this process of educating the team and really growing their capabilities and their capacity to reach for that next piece. And so just that 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 thinking that constantly drives that um, that am I growing my team? Am I giving them awareness and situational understanding and and supplying them with all the information and the tools and and what's our onboarding program and how do we make sure that everybody is fully equipped and empowered? And again, this might be a counterbalance to the producer doers. So the producer doer is going to jump in, get it done, go to work, and then go, hey, what are we what are we actually doing? You know, the producer doer, um, their tendency may be in the ready, aim, fire method. Their tendency may be fire, mm -hmm. fire, 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 fire. Mm -hmm. Oh, what are we doing? I, I don't know. Just keep firing. Yeah. The, the mentor educator, their tendency might be to get stuck on ready. And so we have to just be careful that in the midst of all the educating and the mentoring that we realize that there needs to be an outcome for that fantastic skill set to grow your team, fantastic skill set to mentor and to to groom and to, again, be that that educator. Um, but at the same point, we have to make sure that we're educating them to a point or educating them for a purpose. And ultimately, that pro purpose needs to yield an outcome. Mm, that's good. Looking at number seven, you've got the precision detailist or the analyzer um, <laughs> as the leader. And, and you, know, you don't I will. I'll, I'll have to say you, you you rarely hear those words applied to leadership. So I'm interested to hear your, your description of this type of leader. Well, this type of leader we find in a, in a lot of professional service organizations. So um, so you, you may recall that my degree is in accounting. I started out. Um, <laughs> engineering. Um, actually, I started, I was recruited for nuclear engineering until I found that my life would be spent mostly on a submarine. <laughs> and uh, 
from a point of claustrophobia was not willing to spend eight months under the water in a very small confined space. Hey, it's so good to, good to know that early, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the best engineers, all of a sudden they become a lead engineer or a, a, an operating engineer or a partner or something like that. The best accountants become directors, become managing directors become. And so the, the great piece is your analytic skill set and savvy has led you to a point where now you're leading other analytics. And so the, the struggle with the precision detailist analyzer is the skill set that made you a fantastic lead or individual contributor, your analysis, your precision, your details may actually cause some struggle when you transfer to that next level of leadership. And so there are some areas where we absolutely need leaders to lock it down tight, to be focused on the details, to to look a couple of points behind the decimal. But at the same point, when we're looking at that precision detailist analyzer, these the tendency may be to overplay your subject matter expertise and to fail to recognize that once you become a manager, you become a leader, your IQ is not as important as your EQ. Your subject matter expertise is not as important as your people skills. And so the precision detailist analyzer, these are great. They're going to be a lead engineer, a lead accountant, a lead, you know, uh, but at some point we may need to to work on the skill set of moving you over on some of those people skills. Yeah. Is this the uh, is this the doctor with the horrible bedside manner? <laughs> this would be the doctor that knows exactly what to do, uh, and and you may follow them to the point of their expertise. But if they haven't added that skill set, then the moment that I don't have to interface because I need your expertise, I'm looking for an off ramp, and I'm actually looking for the popular networker leader so we can go out, hang out, and have a beer or something. There you go. Awesome. So that's seven of the leadership styles, and uh, we've got the last one we're going to mention, at least in this context, and that is the strategic or the planner leader. What's that look like? So again, the strategic planner, um, strategic or strategic planner, really this person may be the counterweight or the support mechanism to the visionary dreamer. So the visionary dreamer sets it out and says, we're going to go to the moon. And the strategic planner says, well, we better have a 42 point plan if we're going to get there. And the strategic component around the prioritization of and the A before B before C. And we're going to need the 25 checkpoints to be able to reach GNOME. And here are the subcomponents of the checkpoints. And here's the capabilities and the capacities of each of these. And then we're going to need a, you know, a, a continued derivative statement of the completions <laughs> and the option. You know, and so at some point you can go, wow, dude, your planning is um looks like a Gantt chart on steroids. <laughs> and yeah. so the strategic planner is those one that lines out the steps, the A before B before C and, and organizes those particular pieces. And, uh, and again, the, the careful, the caution, that is a needed skill set. We need the, the block and tackle to be, to able, to be able to, to put the GPS coordinates together and to put the mapping to get from A to B to C to D. Um, again, the struggle would be if that's your tendency, you may end up over planning and we may st still stay too long on the ready and aim and not enough on the fire uh, mode. So we, we just got to make sure that absolutely planning is necessary. But when we over plan, um, then we can wait too long to actuate. Yeah. 
So those are the eight leadership styles that we're talking about. Again, a quick recap. Number one, the driver challenger, uh, the producer doer, the popular networker, the visionary dreamer. Number five is the supporter uh, relator, the mentor educator, the precision analyzer, the detailist. And then the last one being the strategic planner. Um, and we've got a lot that we want to talk about on this. So I can already tell you, Chris, that we're going to make this two episodes. So before, <laughs> All right. before we wrap up this episode, I've got uh, kind of two, maybe three questions for you, Chris. Uh, okay. First off, kind of hearing, you know, everything that you were just talking about there um, of the eight leadership styles that you just mentioned, which one is the most effective? <laughs> uh, um, the correct answer is um, the one that is needed in the moment. <laughs> okay. So the one piece that we do need to understand about style is we have our authentic style, but then we have our adaptive style and we have the style that we intend to act. We have the style that's most comfortable to us. However, the most effective style is the style that reaches the organization and the individuals the way they need to be reached. So if I have, I may be a supporter, relator, or I may be this, uh, you know, this particular, I may not be a driver challenger, but if you've got one person on your team that needs a good swift kick and the please get it done, you have to become a driver challenger to that particular person. If your operation is losing money, there may be a, a time where you have to step in and be that driver challenger to push through some of those barriers to get to that point. Um, but if you stay in that driver challenger too long, you're going to cause under uh, utilization of your team in your organization. Yeah. You're going to dumb your team down if you do that. And, and they're essentially going to become minions that wait to, to get your directive to do anything. So you're going to lose your thinkers. So the visionary dreamer, when you're starting an organization and you have that purpose and you have that, that powerful mantra that essentially says, we're going to go conquer the world. You know, that visionary dreamer is needed for, to cast the vision for a lot of these startups. But at some point we've got to move from visionary dreamer to the strategic planner that ultimately starts to put some of this block and tackle into place to where the dream just doesn't become this endless speech of possibility. But we move into the planning phase so that we gain this momentum, this inertia, this energy around the fact that we're actually achieving steps towards that particular, you know, that particular dream or that particular goal. Yeah. And uh, and again, so the producer doer may be great to 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 get the you know third quarter results over the line, but at some point, just getting the results over the line for the third quarter doesn't engage the employee base, doesn't mentor and educate them to where we can make the again you've heard it from me countless times make the model repeatable, sustainable, scalable. Yeah. yeah. So the the key piece of of, of all that is it, the most effective one is the one that meets the needs of the situation. And the one that accomplishes the desired outcome in a way that builds the capabilities and the capacity in the future of the team. You know, something about you talking about that reminded me of something I heard your mentor, John Maxwell, say once. And, and I loved it. It's always stuck with me. But he said, if you're a leader and no one's following, then you're just going on a walk. Right. And so if you find yourself <laughs> exactly. going on lots of walks, then it might be a good sign that you should try a different leadership style. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. And and most leaders, you know, a key attribute of leadership is self-awareness. Do you understand your style? And if you don't understand your style or you don't understand the consequence of your style on your team, then you may not fully understand the effectiveness or the lack thereof um, to that particular style. That's why I love that right path assessment that we do, that assessment that essentially says, what's your authentic style? And then I'm right in the middle of doing multiple 360 feedback sessions with leaders to be able to get them to understand the leadership consequence of how people experience them, not their intended leadership, but actually their experiential leadership from the minds and perspectives of those that are supposed to be following. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good point to kind of cut off this half of this, what will now be a two-part episode, because in the next episode, we are going to dig into uh, kind of what you just said, but how do I identify, you know, what comes naturally to me or what I've observed, uh, how to transition between the different styles uh, and what that means for the organization and what do I do, uh, you know, as far as recognizing those who are leading me, what their style is and how do I respond to that? So uh, this is, has certainly been great. And again, hopefully uh, you'll, hold on to this, maybe jot these down as far as the eight most common leadership styles. And uh, as Chris said, be self-aware of kind of where you're at, and what you need to incorporate. Obviously, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to work with you. If you are interested in uh, following up on anything that has to do with Chris or Influence Leadership, we encourage you to go to influenceleadership.com. Uh, lots of great blog posts there, uh, some great presentations, great videos, lots of things being updated on a regular basis. Uh, and obviously contact information. So if you feel like your organization could benefit from what you're hearing on this podcast or working with Chris, we encourage you to reach out. And uh, even if you you know aren't exactly sure what that would look like, that's exactly why we should talk uh, so that we can clarify that for you and give you some examples of how that works uh, for some organizations. Uh, connect with us online, on Facebook, on uh, social media, shoot us an email, and of course, rate the podcast. Uh, that certainly means a lot to us. Chris, any final words for today's episode? You know, the final, final word is, again, self-awareness, understanding that authentic approach and understanding that that there's not one style that's going to be successful in every scenario. Just dial in and understand. And you know what? How about this? For the next week or so, be a student of leadership. Look around and see and note the different styles of the leaders that uh, that are around you. But then think about the leaders that have been the most impactful leaders to you and see if you can determine their style. Were they a driver's challenger or supporter relator? Were they a producer, doer, mentor, educator? Were they a popular networker, precision detailist? Were they a visionary or a strategic planner? Were, which characteristics and competencies would you say was their home base? And did you meet a leader or did you know a leader that adapted their style fairly well? So the best piece about learning leadership is just to go real world, to look at the leadership around us and then just to uh, to make a note of how they lead and think about ourselves and see what our home base might be. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast. <music>